This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 96, Gen Con 2019 Tournament. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Seen any good movies lately? <laughs> I finally saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Should we make people mad again? Ooh, let's spoil it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, let's not spoil it. Uh, but what did you think? I heard your wife loved it. Yeah, my wife loved it. I thought it was good. It was. It's not my favorite Tarantino movie, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. But you're uh, not a big Tarantino guy. I think he's a. I think he's a great director and a dumb person. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. All. That's all. I, that's my take. I have heard that he is a terror at uh like serving him or like oh yeah if he's at a place that that yeah. can kind of be right. a nothing problem. Ab- nothing about his personality seems approachable, warm, friendly, or good. Yeah, I think I mean he's a Texas. He's a Texan. Well, he's he's actually not <laughs> wow. a Texan. I, th- you I think you just he's threw from... everyone in Texas under the bus. Well, I mean you know how people from Texas are, and I love Texas, so. He's, he's a, but he's, I think he's from Tennessee originally, but, uh, and then Los he lived in Los Angeles, but he's very, to me, he's very Austin, Texas. You know, what's funny is this intro is going the way that it was. And the only thing we talked about for the intro was how we were going to talk about how the show was really going to get back on the rails. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the we're first back thing on. we did. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Let's get back on. There's a rail right here, and I'm gonna uh, step up on it. This is uh, this is gonna be the last of our series of episodes having to do with Gen Con. Yeah, we're gonna kind of cover all the stuff we haven't covered thus far, um, including mostly. Um, a pretty cool YouTube video you can check out. Yeah. What, is, what is that video? It's up. It's up within a, like kind of a week. I don't know. Maybe it was like a week and a couple days. But the, the Gen Con 2019 Tournament Championship videos are out. We did it by round. You should 100% go watch them. It's very digestible uh, in small increments. And yeah, it's really... Uh, I'm just... I can't even express how happy I am with it. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And the response to it, and it's just the whole the whole process was really worth it this year. Whereas last year was sort of the story of like it was hard, and we learned a lot, and it took a long time to do it. And I feel weird. This year is like the opposite in every yep. single imaginable way. Yep. So to, you know, take that, y'all. It's already <laughs> out. You don't have to wait a year. You're not waiting a year for it. You already got it. We already <laughs> done with it. Uh, and. I just think, uh, so, so the, the other thing with that too is we have the footage to do more stuff with it, uh, and I do intend on doing that, but now I don't feel pressure to do it. Uh, but mo- most importantly, uh, people have been asking about like interviews, and we did do interviews with the top three finalists. So once you've watched everything, hopefully here in, a, in not too long, I'll get those interviews out and you can get a little bit more info about uh, just how the players felt from their perspective. So we'll have those out uh, in the YouTube feed somewhat soon uh, yeah. for you to enjoy. And then over time, maybe uh, some sort of highlight reel or condensed version of the game or something like that. That's that's my goal with the footage we captured is to be able to do something a little bit 
um, shorter uh, for people who don't want to spend seven hours watching a TI game. But it is worth it. Uh, I'll say that much. It is a worthwhile seven-hour game. Yeah, we lucked out. It was a good game. Like, it always feels like kind of a miracle when that happens. Yeah. Uh, but it turns but out game, when you get really good players together, a good game happens. So. That's true. That, that that's it, it does make that very likely if all the players are good. Um, and they, they definitely were. So, yeah, if, if you have not checked out that video, um, I totally encourage you to do it. Uh, our setup for making that video was unheard of. And I, <laughs> I think I have to give all of the props to... Uh, you, Matt, and EJ yeah. uh, for that one. And if everyone at home could be uh, doing a little golf clap right now for the two of them. <laughs> because literally, snap. No, I, have, I, I have never seen a video that covered Twilight Imperium uh, like that. It, 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 is, it is one of a kind. And I am very, even though my, my part in the technical aspects of it were nil, uh, I feel very, very proud of it. Yeah. Hunter's more of an idea guy. I'm an idea guy, and I'm I'm here for for color and to make sure that things are fun and interesting. And you don't like, get you know. things like uh, Water Bottle Gate and or just I guess we called it Watergate 2019 and mm-hmm. and and carrot salesman and you don't get stuff like that without Hunter. So that's true. Uh, that's my favorite part of those videos is just hanging in there for the weird stuff that happens at Gen Con. Right, uh, but right. hey. Do we want to talk about like the rest of Gen Con? We have not touched. So last year we did like a whole breakdown of how all the prelims games went. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done that this year. Uh, and that's because, well, we can't do like a in-depth overview of everything. Because we really didn't sit down and watch every single game. That was like our big change up from last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last year I still have like a notebook. Or, or actually I think you took my I have, notebook. Yeah, I have your yeah. notebook. So there was a notebook of just like I wrote down every single action uh, every player did for like two of the prelims games and then the tournament game. Yeah. Um, so last year, like we we covered those in depth, but we can kind of give you some like, you know, kind of overall yeah. uh, feelings. The first day of the prelims was pretty weird. Yes. Because they did not. And this is a lesson for next year. Uh, all If you do not make it into the tournament show up in the morning to yep. try and because because they had two four player games meaning there were four people that didn't show up yeah for prelims games and and not only that there weren't any generic ticket holders there at that time it was just like a weird it's just like a weird first day of the con where nobody nobody could get up we were included in that we didn't show up until like i don't know 8 30 or something mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but blark knob you know runs a tight ship and if you're not there at 8 a.m sharp you're kicked out and right. Uh, nobody was there with generics, which meant two of the first three prelim games were four-player games. They opted to do a six-player game and two four-player games, where rather than what the, the reverse of that is two five-player games and a, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Something two five-player games and a four-player game or something. But they they, they did two four players and one six-player, which meant like the first round was really weird. Uh, because four-player games just play very, very, very differently. And what was cool was, I mean, all the players were aware of that and definitely leaned into it and and played, you know, factions where it's like, okay, all I got to do is, like, sit here, accrue my stuff, and I'll probably do all right. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We saw a lot of Jolnar and a lot of Soul this year, just like always. Uh, it wasn't as much as last year. I think last year there was a Jolnar and a Soul in every single game. Every single game, I think. Uh, At this least had a year, Jolnar. Yeah, this year I think lacked a few souls. I don't think there was a soul in every game, which was a little bit surprising. But we've just we've really seen the hate 
on Solnar uh, on Solnar on Soul Pickup uh, <laughs> over the last you know year or so, right? Um, especially since the I don't know since the Patreon tournament, even though Soul wasn't a big player in that, it's just like people don't people don't care. I mean, last right. year they got crushed, but something I think we didn't see this year is seeing them get crushed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, in the competitive map building stuff, we also didn't see as much nastiness i feel right, like right which is is in one way a good thing i mean that's the, the nastiness i think some groups are really used to nasty map building but i think people who have gotten very very good at c- competitive map building will tell you you that your focus should always be on making your slice as good as it can be mm-hmm. and focusing on hurting other people later because if you hurt someone they're gonna try to hurt you in the map building and that's gonna pay, that's gonna be worse than any negative effect you put on somebody else you just need For to sure. get your stuff down so yeah we saw a lot less of that but what that meant was uh we saw we saw joel Nar do pretty well and soul yeah. do pretty well i mean we we remember four of the games uh and of those four two were joel Nar and one was soul mm-hmm so, you know, already looking at half the games being those powerhouse factions that didn't get, you know, dealt with early enough and, and were able to just kind of carry the late game. Right, right. Uh, one thing that was really cool about the prelims was seeing old faces, seeing uh, people that we had met at the Gen Con tournament last year. Yeah, right. Um, we got to see Gen Con Joey, um, who uh, sadly did not make it through his prelims game. But uh, and, and actually, I don't think he got to play as Sar. I think he was playing as some other faction. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I don't know. It, it, it didn't feel like he was quite in his element. My memory um, says he was L1. I think. Yeah, was, I think it was L1. I think that's, yeah. Um, uh, we saw, or what we, actually, we did not get to see it. I, I want to go ahead and mention this. Um, we really missed uh, Jim Bob because right. he, he did not make, get to make it this year. Um, and he is always such like a delight to see him. He's play. just like your all time favorite player. I mean, it's, uh, like- I think, I think <laughs> it's just cause I, I always root for the, in like whenever I would watch like esports uh, stuff, I, I always root for the people that play like the weird character that like yeah. doesn't really do that well on that level, but they elevate it through their yeah. own play. Right. And with Jim Bob always focusing on Arborek, Something that I, I mean, I mean, I, that's a faction that literally no one played. Right. Um, right. Like at all, right? Like, no, I don't think yeah, they had there a was single Arborek no, in a there single wasn't. game. There was one Muat, but as, in terms of like the lower tier factions, not a single Arborek for yeah. sure. Yeah. And in general, this, this all, you know, trended pretty high tier. Uh, honestly, Unaligned Magi kind of messes that up a bit by, because he plays as Necro. Yeah. But if um, you ask him, he will tell you Necro is high tier. So it sure. kind of comes eye of the yeah, beholder. <laughs> I think even he would recognize that overall, that's not how people see right. you Necro. Definitely. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that, that was great. We saw uh, Gen Con Paul, who, who uh, spoilers, was the winner of yes. the 2018, 2018. Uh, yeah. uh, Gen Con final. And he actually did not make it to the finals, which was like, that's like, in my opinion, as a tournament organizer, that's kind of what you want to see. Yeah, personally. right. Right. It's like, well, especially you know, with everything it being, has changed. Basically. Yeah, him him being a person who's made it to the past four finals, I believe, or like four out of five, or mm-hmm. he he's been to the finals almost every single year, and so this is the first year in a long time he hasn't been to the finals, which really I think says one thing more than anything else, and that that's the the pool of talent in TI has increased a lot. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because for 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 Paul to not be able to make it means like he was up against 
lots of stiff competition. Not now just he, like, oh, he, one player bested him. It was like, no, nah, he, he was in a tough game. He was in a tough game. He was sitting next to Unaligned Magi uh, and was complaining about being <laughs> He hated it. Yeah, Which, he came up to us a couple times and was like, this sucks and I hate this guy. I love him, but I hate being next to him and playing against his meta. Which is, I think, how most people feel when they play against Unaligned Magi. Right, right. Um, and that game, uh, that their prelims game in general was a little bit controversial because yeah. it ended with a with a king make. Um, well, support and we for should the back up too because there's there's so much going on there. And honestly, it kind of was a stir on the Discord for a little bit. And mm-hmm. we're not going to get into like overly dramatic things with it because just whatever. Uh, but. This was the only game that was going to time. Almost every other game finished, you know, four yes. or five hours yes. of the six-hour time limit. And this is the the downside of Gen Con is you're kind of, we're kind of required in those prelim games to have a six-hour time limit, which means at six hours, they call the game. And what happened in this game was because all the players were very good, it was a very tight race in the end. Mm-hmm. And the thing we learned is calling a game at time has really weird implications because depending on when you call that game like what a, phase you're in what phase you're in there's a different tiebreaker so what happened in this game was uh nalu was in the game mm-hmm. which meant and they were at nine points uh and so if if the game ends if the six hour mark gets hit during the action phase uh or the technically the status phase then uh, Nalu will win just because by virtue of being zero in initiative. That's the tiebreaker right. in right. TI4, right. and that's it. But what was happening was uh, Unaligned Magi, Necro, was the speaker, which meant that if the game ended in the agenda phase or the strategy phase, uh, the, then speaker token is the tiebreaker. So because there are two different tiebreakers, it came down to who is the person that would get it in a tiebreaker scenario. And the issue that then came up was the game gets crazy in those last like 30 minutes and the moderators start moving people along really, really fast because what they don't want is someone to game the system, right? They don't Mm -hmm. want someone to stall everybody out and keep, they they didn't want Necro to stall out the agenda phase and just like be like, I don't want to vote. I I can't think of who I want to vote for. To to his credit, he did not attempt to do. No, he played very honorably and, and went with the moderators in that regard which meant they burned through... I mean, it was the fastest agenda phase I've seen in my life. I, it was literally like a seven-minute agenda phase because they were coming up on the wire. But that's when it started to feel really weird, right? Which is like, is the are, it feels like the moderators are dictating who's going to win this game then because right. it's, it only comes down to how fast do they force everyone to play that we, we come to a resolution here. So already it was starting to feel really itchy and stinky and not good and just just very weird uh and so then what ended up happening is they get through the agenda phase and it starts to look apparent that okay nalu's gonna win uh and paul from last year's game had an available support for the throne Mm -hmm. and uh if you ask him about it he will tell you that he he had made a deal to necro earlier in the game uh that was to later give a support for the throne and he wanted to hold true to his word and despite it being king making if you look at it from the perspective of, well, the, the moderators are almost kingmaking in this situation, so we are like completely outside of the bounds of right. normal decision-making, right. he decided he didn't think it was fair that the game was being rushed so fast, and he knew that he had a, a part of a bargain to uphold, so he thought the only honorable thing for him to do in that situation was give Necro the support for the throne. 
uh, which is, I mean, super unfortunate for the Nalu player, which was uh, a player known as Necro Firewall. Uh, he, he was basically kind of getting robbed a victory that was, you know, just this really, really weird suspect situation. So all of that is to kind of say, like, when you introduce uh, win conditions outside of the scope of the game, yeah, things just get really weird, no matter how you cut it. Uh, and, and even, I mean, last year they had one prelims game that went to time as well, where really, really weird stuff happened. It wasn't as weird as this, but... Uh, these time limits make for really weird situations. And I think we as a community are, are learning a little bit more about that. And I know Blarknob has already said that they will probably adjust next year and, and make some changes into how they want to structure that uh, because they, it, it just feels dirty for it to be gamed in any way. I, th- I think the reason that it feels dirty is that it, it would have been so like it, it wasn't even the last half hour. It was like they were going into the agenda phase with like 15 minutes. Cause I remember yeah. thinking like this could feasibly like the fact that somebody could have filibustered for the win and he right. wasn't about to do it because no. it didn't seem like the honorable way to do it, but right. he could have, he right. could have just been like, no, I'm going to filibuster this right now and then right. win the game because well, it's going to go to time in the agenda phase. Right. And the bigger thing too, though, is you have to consider what the mods were trying to do. I, I try to, I, I'm not giving the mods heat saying, Oh, they were deciding the game. What they were trying to do is open up the opportunity for, if we at least get it into the action phase, everyone might get a turn. And if someone's got a secret objective, they might win it right in a normal way. Or like the right. person with Imperial might be able to pop it and get the points they need. If we can get it to a normal scorable position, someone might actually win it. Uh, it just, it came too close to the wire where they didn't really get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's just like, you know, you know, you don't have all day to do this. Uh, so like it's gonna, there's going to be a game that gets kind of unfortunate yeah. like that. I actually kind of respect what, what, uh, Gen Con Paul did, yeah. uh, in that, in that at least the decision was made without, it feeling like kind of an arbitrary tiebreaker yes. thing. You know what right. I mean? Like it was like somebody made a right. call and, and that call frustrated somebody else a lot and probably frustrated, you know, people that, that feel strongly about King making. Yep. But like it, to me, it, it felt just as I would have felt just as weird if it had gone to time. Yeah. Like I yeah. wouldn't have felt it's any a more, less weird. The support for the throne exists as a mechanic and we have to just accept that. And this game ended with a game mechanic and not, this new arbit now it was influenced by the weird arbitrary rule but it was not decided by the weird arbitrary rule mm-hmm. Ooh, hey fun update uh the the other two winners uh, it was an extra and another soul so if oh, you're keeping wow. score two souls two jolnars necro and extra uh yeah. worth noting that extra win was in one of the four player games which is certainly a much better situation for extra uh yeah for yeah. those of you wondering how could an extra win in a tournament game that's there's your answer i agree I agree. Cool. Um, well, so let's talk about what it was like to shoot the final. Unless we have any other prelims games, we don't. We want. Uh, the only about. other thing I would say is, in general, the prelims and and the first two days of Gen Con were super super fun because just having the community there was really cool, yeah. and the community feels a lot more tight knit now. Last year, it was sort of just like I don't know, we're all people that are sort of into TI, and this year it's like, I mean, we went out to dinner the first night, and it was literally like people had name tags for their discord name out in front of them. Like they made little like, Hey, I'm necro firewall. My, my real name is this. And, and it's like people were meeting and it was really, really cool. And like lots and lots and lots of pickup games happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll talk more about that, but just in, in general, 
for people that are like, I wanted to play in the tournament and I, and I didn't get tickets and I don't know if I'd get to have a good TI experience at Gen Con, I can assure you that even if you don't get tournament tickets in future years, there's plenty of TI to be had nowadays at, mm. at Gen Con. Uh, you, you could spend your entire time only doing TI stuff. And, it and seemed you, like some people did, basically. Yeah, so I think there's, I think a good portion of our Discord people who were there spent the entire time organizing and playing games of TI. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk okay. about what we did the the finals and the big thing and and, and we're not um we're not going to spoil the game right now yeah, we really uh, so, want you to watch it so yeah we're not gonna we, we really want you to watch it we're gonna talk about it just kind of from the perspective of what it was like to commentate that and what we kind of learned from it um how we felt about you know just just making that i i will say uh Really great matchup. Really, really good players. We yes. had. Uh, we're calling him Gen Con Alex playing as Hakan. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had Robofish playing as Nalu. We had Schroeder playing as Sar. Um, Naderade playing as Jolnar. We had uh, Xenofeline. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, playing as uh, Soul, and then you'll we regularly Matt. you'll regularly hear us refer to Xenofeline as Farganess's son. Var- Farganess yeah. is a much more active player in the community, and and his son. Uh, beat him in the prelims round, beat his right. own father he to make beat it into his the finals. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Magi was playing as Necro. Um, yes. So we had, you know, two two of our two of our finalists from our tournament right. were present, which was super cool to see them playing in this context. It was really cool to see Schroeder play uh, Sar, which we had never seen him play before. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ma- how did how did you feel, Matt? Let's 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 start with you. How'd I'll you I'll say this you? I'll say this first thing. I felt great because as a big um I don't know ego boost I don't know what to call it, but all six of those players are like show people, like familiar with the show, listen to the mm-hmm. podcast, and that alone just kind of feels good. Feel it was fun to see. Uh, last year was not that case at all, right? Last year it was like two of the finalists had any clue who we were, right? Uh, right. And so just to see like. Uh, that that I don't know that the community is there and that the the good players are kind of all in the same section of it was very very cool and very exciting and it made the game almost more interesting just for me personally right. uh, and I hope that that was reflected in the commentary of like we were excited to see all these people and see what they could do against each other yeah um, yeah but well, outside of I, that I mean oh, yeah. I mean four of the players we had. I would say at least see them play once, if not several times before. Yes, right. Like Naderade, we we have we have played with Naderade. Um, we we of course saw Naderade in the tournament at one yep. point. Yeah. Uh, Robofish, we saw in the tournament. Schroeder, we got to see play many times in the tournament. Yep. And Magi, we, I mean, we we've probably seen Magi play more than any individual player. Right. We've probably yeah. seen more games with Magi than anybody. Basically. Yeah. Uh, now, all that being said, it was a totally different experience uh, than like our Patreon tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've watched uh, any of our videos on YouTube, most of them are the, the Patreon tournament. And the thing about the Patreon tournament is we had all the information. Um, yeah. And it's one thing to, A, just have all the information, but to even have access to the fact that there is secret information is different than what we had in this game. In this game, we did not have a very easy way to figure out how many secret objectives a person was holding and how many action cards they had. Right. Uh, we, we There were ways to get that information, but it was it was long and drawn out and generally not worth like digging into. So it was more about just seeing the action on the table and hearing what players were saying and basing our commentary off of that. But... 
due to that, we, you know, we missed all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's oh, it's certainly yeah. not perfect commentary that like really captures everything that's going on. We were surprised by stuff a lot <laughs> in that game. Uh, and, and I think it's a cool vibe and I like that Gen Con offers that. Again, I'm constantly uh, interested in every tournament having like a different vibe and a different feeling uh, mm -hmm. because I think that's what TI is kind of about is like, listen, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to, to skin this cat. And I, uh, I think that this game is more about it being the experience of being at Gen Con and this live event. It's like the only live big time game we, we may ever be able to do is Gen Con and everything right. else is either online or like a live game with like our friends who are definitely not as good as these players and stuff right. like that. Right. So, right. so that's what makes this one special is just like the context of it. And that's what, that's what makes me really pumped about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it was interesting. Uh, the logistics of like, like there, there are a few things I feel like uh, that as you watch the videos, we're like learning as you're watching it. Yeah. Uh, and one of them, and it seems pretty obvious, was we didn't have a very good way to communicate with the people working by the table. Yeah. Me and Matt are like separate, and by about halfway through we got this really great system going of root had like a big marker board <laughs> yeah. and he would write us messages. Yeah. It was adorable the, and wonderful. It was so good. It was so good. Um, yeah. Basically root was acting as our like field producer. And he was the, the, like if we, if we could have had an audio set up for this, which I don't think we ever will, but what it felt like was he was our man on the ground and we would check in with him occasionally. And it would be like, let me tell you folks, we've got a con over here and he's, he's got six action codes and we're really afraid of what's going to happen next. But all of that was communicated through just hastily written messages that were like, you know, truncated into like four words of just like a message. It would just be like a con secret industrial. And you're like, right. oh, okay, let's figure that out. And like, right. right. Understand all the context. Uh, yeah. And I will say this, if there are times when we seem really on it, which is probably not super frequently, <laughs> but when we do seem really on it, it's because root has written a very good point on the board and yeah. we are just stealing. Like we are just repeating right. the point that he has made right. yeah. without even giving him credit. Cause there's no time for that. Let's <laughs> right. just throw it out there. It's, it's like, it's like the news anchor, like yeah. earpiece thing where yeah. I'm, we're just being fed lines. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Any of the great insights we had into play, I think are a hundred percent attributable to Alec uh, and, and anything else when it's just rambling, that's us just kind of figuring out what is going on. Yeah. One thing that I think is really funny, uh, and, and, and you will notice this right away, is uh, it, the whole thing, I, I'm very proud of the thing as a whole, but, the, but it has a very awkward start yeah. because we are literally, <laughs> we've set up this crazy series of cameras and everything, and we're all just like, how does this work? Right. Like for the there first was, like 20 minutes. So yeah. the, so the, so the whole thing starts and, and I'm literally like, Oh God, we've started. Yep. And then we're like, all right, cut to camera two. And it's just like zoomed in on Schroeder's <laughs> face. And like, that's going to live that. I mean, it's going to be that's like there. that forever, yeah. but it's crazy that even within the scope of the video, we get better at yeah. covering right. it. Yeah, we didn't get to we didn't get to practice any of this beforehand. No, there there no. just was no time, and we were working with people who like live across 
the entire United States. Like, we're everywhere. We were not in the same room until the night before. And you can bet we did not pre-set up our huge rig that takes three hours to set up. We didn't, like, try it all out. The only people who had ever messed with this thing were EJ and I. So the only people familiar with how this thing was kind of supposed to work were EJ and I. And we still had to figure it out on the fly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love I love that energy. I love that it is the whole thing is kind of just like... Here we are. Let's do it. Uh, but you can bet that next year will be more rehearsed uh, and and maybe a little bit more, um, you know, clean. But at the same time, I love that it is sort of a we're just we're thrown into the mix here at Gen Con. There's a billion other things going on at Gen Con. We are mm-hmm. one tiny part, and I think that this video is mostly about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing, I, one specific, real specific thing I want to throw out. Uh, a lot of people have been commenting on the really cool backdrop that was behind me and Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a la- last-minute addition by Farganus. Yeah. He just yeah. brought that. Yeah. And it kind of makes the video. like Because every time it cuts back to me and Matt, which was probably going to be the lamest shot, right? there's just this really wicked awesome backdrop. <laughs> and I just want to specifically say thank you again to Farganus for that yeah. because it was perfect. It was yeah. literally perfect. Huge improvement on the production quality, which is... yeah, yeah. All, all yeah. due to him. Um, and, and overall, this is a game that has... You should watch this game for so many reasons, but but it, this is a game that has really exciting gambits in it. Yep. Yes. Some that pay off, some that wildly don't. Um, <laughs> there are There is a classic... Well, we know so-and-so is going to win, and we'll talk about that for an hour. And then... Oh, it's hot potato. Oh, right. now it's over here. Now yeah. it's over here. Oh, God. Oh, wait. It's over? Wait, what? Like, yeah. It's it's that type of game. And I'll tell you are... that much. If you're watching through it and you got to like part six and started to get, I don't know, bored, uh, uh, don't finish don't, it. <laughs> yeah, don't stop watching. I it, This still is not spoiling anything, but I will just tell you, we as commentators were getting bored. And then in the last, I don't even know, maybe half hour, it was just like, oh, crap. We've, we, got, we got lazy and it is time to pay way close attention to whatever mm-hmm. is going on in this game because mm-hmm. things things are shaky uh yeah and there's a lot of really good goofs in it uh like you know i actually i don't want to ruin any of the goofs but there's, sure. there's some pretty funny stuff that happens that's really great yeah um anything anything else we want to bring up with no with, with i this video? i think that's please good. watch it please, please watch please, it please watch it it's super great it. and we put a lot of time into it so i just really want you to watch it okay yeah uh and just I mean, honestly, you should watch it just to see what you paid for. Basically, if you if you're right. on our Patreon, uh, that setup, that's all you, baby. Like yep. we didn't we didn't have all. I mean, that that's you plus the stuff that EJ had already, right. uh, and like it, it's such an amazing setup. That's something that I feel. I mean, almost cocky about. Like, yeah, we we came up with a way to shoot Ti that is very original, like, and not. As yeah. far as I know, never really been done before like yeah. that. Definitely, it definitely feels that way, and it's something that we're not done in proofing. I mean, there's no, d- no, there's no, audio no. work to be done. There's figuring out better ways to just function the cameras more for Hunter and I to do on a like on an analysis side, like better things we can do with yes. overlays. Yes. There's a lot of tech that we can still learn about and and keep improving this. We are not done. This is not the holy grail of ti coverage this is this is the first successful piece of the puzzle is the way i think of it yeah i i feel closer than ever though to that ti video that i'm like it's perfect 
And now, you know, and then the show will end because it'll be like, <laughs> this was the original goal. And then we do it. And then it's like, all right, now we can, now we can rest, you know? <laughs> Maybe and so. And then we will. And, and we'll retire at 33 and <laughs> rest like, on our it. laurels. That's it. I, I did it. I did it. Hey, and that's right. I'm saying I did it because I did it by myself. Can we talk about the games that we played? Yeah, so we played, a li- if you can believe it, we played a little bit of TI. We were able to fit it in. Um, we both played as Soul, which yeah. was kind of uh, silly, but we were working on that Soul Guide, yeah. uh, which uh, you'll be getting very soon. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Also, in general, I just want to let you guys know, this is the kind of end of our little Gen Con arc, right. uh, and we are going to be getting back to the business of being super strategic and talking about uh strategy week by week Uh, and and it's actually really exciting we're gonna be getting back to our roots (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah this these games were kind of directly contributing to the soul guide and i think we both learned a lot about what we want to say about soul which is that we both uh kind of tried new stuff with soul uh and Hunter, how do you feel new stuff works with Soul? Uh, I think Soul is a meat and potatoes faction. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I I think it's actually I'm almost feeling like it's kind of a shame that that we're starting with them because I om- I almost feel like the first round strategy guide is is pretty solid for yeah. it. In right. that this is what they do. I think I think that mostly what our gu- new guide is gonna be like is the kind of response to yes the the overall meta of soul and and right. how do you how do you expand that but also there's been a, a series of pretty solid tricks that the community has added uh to soul that right. we have shamelessly incorporated into our game that right. i think are worth talking about um i ev- every game i've tried with soul lately has been me trying to do something different and that that pretty much never goes well it's it's really hard to get past the traditional grab mechatol rex uh, as soon as you can, yeah, and then y- that is your bargaining chip with which to win the game, right? Basically, it's it's it is a powerful planet, a powerful position, and a way to get points that you otherwise would not get, and it's yeah. just worth doing, even if you get a huge lead early out of it. Right. I I think, we'll, and we'll talk about this more, but I really think Soul just leans into that aspect of their being. Um, because anytime I've tried to like, Ooh, let me stay off the radar a little bit. I don't get the points I need. And then when the end game comes around, I'm not a part of it. Um, yeah. and, and yeah. that's, I, I would rather, I would rather make the gambit and maybe get crushed, but like a lot of times not get crushed because your ground forces freaking rule, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then miss out all the time because I didn't get the points I needed early enough and I'm just nowhere close enough anymore. And also just like, not to get ahead of it too much, but I think the nature of Orbital Drop is more of a early game investment that pays off in yep. the mid to late game than a like, all right, we're in the late game. Now it's time for me to Orbital Drop a right. whole bunch. <laughs> exactly. Like, you you have to put the groundwork in. It's something and, you should be doing as you go, which I think translates more to a like, take Mechatol early and keep yep. it kind right. of strategy. The, yeah. The biggest thing that occurs to me, and especially you saying that, is every time I try to do something different... I don't have command counters to do orbital drop with because I'm trying right. to do too many other things, right. which means my mid and late games suffer because I'm not as well defended. So why not just go with the thing that leads to the best defenses and gets me points anyways? Yeah. 
So we're going to keep analyzing that, and we're going to, uh, we should say it now, we're going to be talking about that really actively on the Discord. So uh, there's going to be a channel set up for, uh, I guess I'm going to say it right now, episode 97, which is next week. That's the goal for uh, for Soul Guide. We're hoping to have it out next week, uh, but we want to talk to everybody about it. We kind of want to pre-errata our thoughts and make sure we're not missing anything. So if you want you know, to contribute to what will be hopefully the like end-all, be-all Soul Guide, yeah. That's you know now's your chance to get in there and, and help us out. And if uh, this is kind of this is kind of a weird thing to put uh, to say, I think on the show, but uh, if you kind of know our thoughts on Soul, or if maybe you need a refresher, check out our our first round strategy guide on it, um, and give us your thoughts on that because it's not going to be a huge departure right. from yeah, from yeah. what we said before. Right. Um, so basically, it's going to be a refinement of that uh, and an expansion of ideas uh, as far as like, well, we really want to feel like after these these strategy guide episodes, it's like, all right, that we've said, we've said what we have to say about the faction right. as it currently exists. Yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a glossing over the first uh, round and then like with some thoughts going forward, this is going to be like early game, mid game, late game. Yeah. Here's how, here's how we think it, it's, it's played best. Yeah. Uh, which you is know, obviously never true in twilight Imperium, but you know, you, you started to kind of word it a certain way. I really see these guides as kind of a response to our first round guys. Yeah. They yeah. are a continuation, which means, yeah, if there are new bases worth covering, we'll cover them. If it's a lot of the same information, we're not going to just sit there and retread it. T for T. We're going to kind of, We'll get we'll we'll talk about those same things from a more generic standpoint and get right. through it. Hey, here's I, another fun. Wait, I, I, I okay, need to make ahead. one more point before before we yeah. move on. Um, so one thing that I think is is kind of a bummer about the first round strategy guides, and it makes them difficult to listen to, is that because we mess so many things up, you need to listen to you know you listen to the soul episode, and then you need to listen to the yeah. next episode for all the errata right. for the soul guide. The goal of putting the discussion out ahead of time is for you guys to go ahead and trash us before we make the episode. You know what I right. mean? Right. So if you've got thoughts, I really want to encourage you to get on the discord and throw them at us right. so that we can, so that we can present an episode. That's just, just it's our thoughts, your rebuttals and our responses all yep. in the same episode and already exists basically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, here's another weird update. This is how I, I asked the discord beforehand who won what with what factions in the finals and I, or in the, in the prelims of Gen Con. And I keep getting new updates. We were wrong about Robofish. Robofish won with Lizix. So again, Whoa. live keeping score. It was one Jolnar, one Lizix, two soul, one Necro, one extra. Crazy. Two two soul, huh? That's wild. So Hunter it's Donaldson. Weird. It's weird because last year Soul did so poorly. Right. In the they tournament. got they got dunked on very and they very, did kind very of poorly hard. in the Patreon tournament too. They did not well, do great. Yeah, the Patreon tournament was not set up for Soul to hardly even exist. But then yes, even when they did make it into games, they did not uh, turn out yeah. very well. Yeah, I agree. All right, where are you trying to take this now, boy? I was I was taking you to. Uh, we, I mean, last week's episode was all about Game 2, but mm-hmm. uh, do we want to kind of touch on just, like, what's going on with Game 2? We're, talking, just we're like, starting uh, to talk a lot about the future of the show, right? Which yeah. we do maybe too often, but just to let you know where the strategy side of this show is, is headed, I think it's, it's worth giving an update. Yeah. Um, so, 
basically the update is we're we're still waiting on Dune with the intention of still covering Dune first. But in the meantime, we have been getting in uh, some time with Root. Yeah. Uh, I think we have kind of we've had very different experiences. Uh, basically, I am focusing on playing Marquise de Cat, uh, <laughs> which is a very accessible faction. Yeah. That I think is difficult to master. Uh, but I think I'm the right player for it. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to make the case for it right now. Uh, I am between me. I feel like if Matt played as the cats, his brain might overheat from <laughs> the, the, all the things that can be happening oh, that are bad at once. Like, like when, 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 when you're playing as the cats, it kind of feels like it always feels like you're losing a little bit, even when you're winning. Yeah, because there's no you start the game and you have you you have you rule every clearing except for one. Essentially, right. this is we're talking about the base game. Yeah. Um, so you rule every clearing except for one. So basically, you can only go down from there as right. far as your ability to control, uh, you know, area. Um, but thus far, uh, I I feel like. I'm learning more and more about crafting and how to incorporate that into my game. Uh, I'm learning what areas of the map I prefer yeah. as, as playing the cats, which is def- definitely not a Twilight Imperium thing since the map is static. Yep. There are literal like pockets on the map that I'm like, oh, I really like this area and having yeah. a lot of control here and a lot of like having my workshops here. I really like, um, and you know, positioning uh, buildings and stuff. So I feel like I am really excited about the cats. Um, I have yet to play with some very experienced root players. I have kind of wisely decided to play with uh, people that are also learning the game for the first yep. time. Uh, I think that is critical. That's kind of what I've been doing as well, honestly. But but I do think if you play root and one person is like definitely better than everybody else, you're not going to have an even decent game for nope. like a while. <laughs> no, nope. uh, you, the part of root is discovering root and that's going to be the hardest. I'm really nervous about like starting to do, to cover root. Uh, it's, it's been freaking me out just because of how crazy of a game it is and how, uh, like just like holistic it all is. Everything feels like an ecosystem that if one thing goes out of whack, the whole game becomes something completely different. Uh, my experience has been a lot. I've been playing way more with the expansion, which Hunter has not, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that has complete uh, that that has made our experiences night and day. Uh, it's a completely different game with the first Riverfolk right, expansion. Right. Um, I've been playing as the Eerie, and I've been beating my head against a wall. But also that that wall exists because every game we learn about one thing you're not supposed to let someone else do so every game even if i'm setting up my thing really well someone else has this crazy runaway victory that ends in like round five or six it's just like way too fast Mm -hmm. uh and and the thing about eerie is i don't really see a way that eerie is that kind of faction they don't just like win really really fast in a huge burst they are more about a steady constant accrual of points you just get a good amount of points every single round but you rarely have just like a big sweep of points this is just my baseline opinions but because we keep having games where we're like oh we didn't know we were supposed to let or not let the vagabond do that the games are thrown off because of it so i'm still in very early stages of like understanding 
how all of this game works together. And I think I'm about to transition into like, ah, I need to just wrap my head around the base game because I, I do think that's really important to be able to figure kind of anything out is you really just need to know the base game first before you can introduce new I think it's systems. helping me because yeah. I already feel like I am learning a lot about these four factions. And I think that's something that uh, originally when we talked about, oh, okay, so we're probably gonna have to talk about Root some in the yeah. future. We were like, oh, well, we'll do it like Twilight Imperium. We'll just like, we'll we'll hand the factions out. We'll split them up between the two of us yeah. and we'll each try and master them. I don't think I'm gonna be able to write any uh, first looks at any of these factions until I've played them all, yep. actually. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think you that's have to know true. everything that's going on because it's not enough to talk about what your faction does to win. You also have to talk about how your faction deals with preventing the other factions from yeah. winning. That yeah. is a crucial element in the game that cannot be ignored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I, I think that is definitely going to be a challenge in covering Root. Uh, I Don't worry, Root is on the back burner anyways, though. Yep. So, I yeah. mean, we, de we definitely are committed to doing Dune first because it was the rightful winner. Right. Um, well, and also, I think we are pr more prepped for just, like, the kind of game that Dune is. Root is so complicated and complex that we as players just have a lot more to learn before we have any business talking about it on the show. Mm -hmm. I was actually very relieved by seeing Dune and being like, okay, this is, I remember this. Yes, I, right. I remember how this works, and so I'm really excited to... Yeah. to sink my teeth into that so yeah the gale force nine get get us those copies we ordered <laughs> we as, as soon as they show up we are ready to talk about this game um are we ready to just talk about the kind of all, all the other stuff basically. just the rest of gen con yeah we've been yeah. Man, we've been getting into stuff but but so it's we're, worth we're gonna noting. do the thing now that we do once a year where we pretend <laughs> we're like a regular board game podcast and we're just gonna talk about a bunch of random games so you know, I, I get it if you're like, oh, this is not what I'm here for, but uh, we're going to do that. So let, let's yeah. let's have a little bit of fun and pretend we are just two wannabe journalists talking yeah. about all types of games. Yes, definitely. Yeah. What do we uh, want to start with? Uh, I think we start with some of the just like quick like rundown stuff. Uh, oh, sure, you, sure. You're an RPG boy at heart, even though you almost never get to play them. You just love reading that, Oh, RPG that's not books. true. I've, I've, I'm in a weekly D&D group now, right now. I guess, and, but you uh, spent a long time just reading RPG books and waiting for the day that you could I get a group together. I definitely read more RPG books than I get to play. Um, but uh, yeah, there were two things in particular that I very much wanted to pick up and like kind of rushed for. Uh, the first one was the Monster of the Week expansion. Uh, I'm a big fan of Monster of the Week, uh, the RPG, and the fact that an expansion came, or I, I don't know if I would call it an expansion. It's just like another book with more yeah. stuff in it. Um, it's a really cool book. Uh, it It is uh, not solely written by Michael Sands, who wrote the the first book. It is basically like a community amalgamation of yeah. all these different um all these different things that that the community is basically kind of frankensteined into a new book um so it's got a lot of different takes on monster of the week um it's also got uh four new um character types basically that you can play mm -hmm. as uh they're called playbooks in monster of the week and uh they are each really 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 cool um and I would encourage anybody that's curious about Monster of the Week to uh, check it out and uh, and try it. It's a very approachable RPG system. Uh, it's a lot better than the Twilight Imperium RPG. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, and it's it. What I really like about games like Monster of the Week 
uh, is that they are RPG games that encourage good story moments in the mechanically, basically. Yeah. Um, one of the problems that I have with D and D is that uh, a lot of times you can get a little bit lost in the weeds as far as like story wise what's happening because you you could spend so much time thinking about like min maxing certain move sets or like making sure that you know one time i was playing and my dm was like all right today we're gonna buy items and i was like okay and he wanted us to shop and my group spent two hours shopping oh my gosh and and to me i was like this is not what me (laughs) as a player that's not what i'm looking for right if anything I would I would much rather even be told, "Hey, you bought this item. Here's right. what it is." Well, for and you, it's, it's imbued more about, with some sort of story importance, right? You want a scene where you get to actually talk to the shopkeeper and like be sold on something, and that's a story element of that yeah. item now has some importance, rather than just like I want to deck out my character with some stuff. Yes, on the on the I guess there's I feel like there's a spectrum of uh, RPG players. There's like the kind of computer game RPG side of it, yeah. where it's like kind of people that are wanting a little bit of that video gamey experience, that kind of crunchy number experience. And then there's the like, I'm going to call it like improv theater types. Yeah. Um, I'm on the improv theater side, like, yeah. like way, way far. I, I don't like it to be full on. Like that game fiasco is a little too much RPG with like basically no mechanics. And that yeah. puts me off a little bit. Uh, I definitely, I definitely like my games. Um, so monster of the week and in general powered by the apocalypse games are kind of the perfect compromise for me. Um, another thing I picked up that's, that I'm really excited about is the cyberpunk red jumpstart kit by R Talsorian games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but, um, it was a pretty nice, uh, little kit. I got like a lot of dice. It gives you like, uh, some, some cardboard pieces to use. And, uh, it's, it's a pretty light rule book. Uh, but I think it's intended to just kind of be like a, a little sneak peek at Cyberpunk Red uh, that I bet I bet I won't even get to play it before Cyberpunk Red comes out proper. Yeah. Uh, right. But I also bought the old Cyberpunk book to just kind of read to kind of prep for that. So that that was essentially my special little um, my Hunter's that's, time. That's your Gen, Gen Con. Con haul. Yeah. Yeah. That was my uh, Gen Con haul. My, I only cared about like one other thing outside of TI and like our interview, our schedule was pretty packed, but the, the one other thing, and I didn't even know it was actually going to have like a presence. I hadn't been keeping up with it recently, but, uh, the Trogdor board game, which people that know me personally know that I have a history with the website Homestar Runner and very much love it with like a ridiculous fascination. And they made a board game. And I've just been freaking out about it for like a year now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I tried to, uh, they were supposedly at Gen Con last year and I could not ever find them or find a booth that related to them. And this year they were like there in full force with released copies. And more importantly, uh, the Brothers Chaps, who are the creators of Homestar Runner, which is just, I don't know, I'm not giving enough details, but it's like an old web comic or web uh, flash animation series that was just like a big deal in the mid to late uh, aughts. Uh, they have a, a dumb, goofy, cooperative board game, and they were there. And I'm not a person who, like, wants to take pictures with celebrities uh, or even necessarily, like, I want to meet them and shake their hand. But to just, like, see them, they were there at the booth and, like, playing the game, and they have this dumb, strong, bad puppet, and they just sit there and, like, commentate people playing the game, and he just sits there and, like... It's like Statler and Waldorf from The Muppets. He's just, like, you know, 
burning these people playing this game and, and, and having really dumb commentary. And it was just really great. And that's like my only highlight of non show related stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of two highlights, we've got another thing to talk about, but, but, uh, just been freaking out about the Trogdor game that I haven't even gotten to play yet, but just love that it exists and love that this thing from my childhood is like being reinvigorated with such furor. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I don't know anything about that. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's just this thing that you've liked it as far as, as long as I've known you yep. and I never ever checked it out or anything. It's, like, it's, it's really actually kind of weird now that I think about it. Super. The, one of the best comedy things it's like one of the most influential things on me comedically ever and yeah it i'm surprised that you never got into it because it's kind of perfect yeah well i don't know it would be really <laughs> weird if i got into it now, now. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like turning 30 this a year. little late yeah yeah um let's talk about the really cool uh game we got to test that is not out yet but we yep. um Last year, we went to, um, I forget what the, what the company is called, Tim Fowers Games? Is just that Fowers, it? yeah, it's Fowers Games. Fowers Games. Um, so we went and we met this uh, game designer, Tim Fowers, who made a game that we really like called Burgle Bros. Yep. Um, he also made a game called Now Boarding, which uh, we picked up and I've played several times and really like. It's like an airplane management game yeah. where you're like flying around the country. Um but we got to play test Burgle Bros 2 with Tim Fowers this year, uh, yeah. which was like a really cool experience. Yep. Um, and what, the Kickstarter launched for that recently? Just this last week. It is up now. You should totally look up Burgle Brothers 2 and back it because holy cow, that game is, um, is awesome. Uh, the thing to say about Tim Fowers is like he does smaller games. Like If you're just into normal hobby board games, he's by far my favorite designer out there because he is a, like a master of theme. Uh, Mm -hmm. His games are funny and the mechanics make you laugh because they tie in so perfectly with the theme he's trying to get at. And it's always like some like true to life thing. You know, Burgle Brothers is about like a heist movie and now boarding is just you're literally playing as air traffic control and it's it it is wicked fun. Like all of his games just have these incredibly charming artwork with really funny theme and he's a super funny person himself so it was just awesome to get to like hang out with him and talk about one of our favorite games with him uh and kind of give our insights on how burgle brothers 2 feels to play Uh, so just just a really exciting thing to have been a part of uh, for for let's let's explain uh, Burgle Bros yeah. too for the for people that maybe haven't played Burgle Bros one or don't like just don't know anything about anything we're talking about right now. Um, Burgle Bros two essentially is uh, a like class based cooperative game. Uh, it kind of reminds me if you've ever played the video game Monaco. Yep. It's kind of like that. So like each person will play as like there's like a hacker and there's. Uh, Actually, there's a lot of really weird. Now that I think there's about it, a lot of, of really, the classes really are ones. very strange. Like, there's one called like, is it called the Raven or the Rook? The Raven. There's also the, the Rook. There's oh, both. Oh, right, right. So the Raven just like sends out a crow that can do like various. Uh, yeah. Like you can like teleport to the crow or like have the crow <laughs> get in the way. Um, and so, so there's lots of like fun little classes like that. And the way the board is set up, it's all these uh, squares, these tiles. Uh, and then, like, you can set up, like, walls and yep. doors in between them. So you are basically exploring um, this space that's just, like, a grid of squares. Yep. However, you can't tell what a square is without peeking at it yep. or moving to it. 
Um, and some of the squares have, uh, whenever you enter, these are representing like rooms that you're going to. Um, each room kind of has like a different effect. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good. A lot of them are bad. So yeah. it's it's kind of just you like you disaster managing yeah. while you try and find a safe, break into it, and steal uh, the treasure, basically. Yeah. The, the whole game ends up feeling like a, as if you are a less professional Ocean's Eleven like yeah. if, if Ocean's Eleven was about people who kind of sucked at their job, uh, like you're doing things and you feel smart, but then really crazy, terrible things will happen and you just are trying to fix the problems that, that came up. I, my favorite thing about it is a lot of co-op games just feel like a constant pressure of mm -hmm. everything's building up and everything's building up. And then at the end, you either win or you just barely don't. But it felt super, super close. Burgle Brothers in general, and especially Burgle Brothers 2, it's more like it comes in waves. You're doing really well, and then something terrible happens, and it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, we're, we're completely doomed. Right, but right. then you come out of it, and you have another arc of like, okay, well, we can pick our feet back up. And oh, now it's, it, you know, you just come back and down. And it's, it's just such a roller coaster, which is way more engaging as a game just because it, it constantly keeps you interested in what's going to happen next. Every tile you flip over is going to completely change the game, and it's it's just, like, super, super thematic. And uh, the best thing about this one is he's leaned even more into the theme of it, which is to say, uh, basically, the, the plot of a game of Burgle Brothers is you need to find a safe that you're going to uh, learn the code to and, and open up that safe, and that's like kind of your first main mission. The thing that's different in Burgle Brothers 2 is once you've unlocked that safe, it's like a new mini game starts and you have to just uh, get out with whatever weird situation has been laid on you. And each game will have a different situation for us personally. And I won't spoil too much, but like opening up the safe revealed this really nice car that we needed to drive out of the building. And there were all these new mechanics introduced right. at us at Completely the last new minute. Rules. Yeah. Where we had to just figure out how to get this car out of this building based on these new rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd, and Burgle Bros. 1 had like a little bit of that flavor to it in that in Burgle Bros. 1, you would find the treasure and then the treasure would have like a specific like rule set to it. But a lot of them were really simple and kind of straightforward. Yeah. This is like you open the treasure and now the game has fundamentally new rules right. for the for the finale. And, yeah. and it, it's a lot more exciting and it's very much like a taking things that worked in Burgle Bros. 1 and really just turning them up like quite a bit yeah um yeah. very 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 interesting game and it was super fun to play and so i would encourage anybody that uh has any interest in what we're talking about to check out the kickstarter for Bur burgle bros 2 and just pick up burgle bros 1 even if you're interested yeah, that, that game should. is still really solid yeah that was a weird thing for us hunter we just like talked about a bunch of board games like a normal board game podcast yeah we did i how feel weird. weird about it yeah how weird <laughs> Maybe maybe this week, if you want to rate us on uh, iTunes, rate us as a normal board game podcast. Very normal, regular meat and potatoes, ma and pa board game podcast. Talk about how confused you were. You didn't realize we were on the Dice Tower Network. What's going on Whoa, there? Whoa, yeah. Well, we're, no, d don't comment don't say, and say that. that we're on the Dice Tower <laughs> Please Network. Please don't do that. that. That would make us look very weird. Like we were trying to like get a job with them by just having people say that we already have the job. That's you know, because odd. we have Dune coming up, you can say we're on the Spice Tower Network. Hey! No, that's, we're gonna, that's, 
You you better mark <laughs> Matt. You better mark the time no. code down for that because no. you are cutting that out of the I show. That is not going not. in there. It's going in. All right. Well, <laughs> I I need to learn to edit so that I can drive this car a little further. But uh, you can rate our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. You can check out our Twitter Space Cats Pod for game updates and announcements. Um, you can check our, our Facebook so you can send Matt uh, questions at night when he's trying to sleep. Um, <laughs> you can check out our weekly posts on the uh, Twilight Imperium subreddit. Uh, that's how you can get a lot of discussion, good old discussion in. You can check out our Patreon, uh, which we are going to be getting back on track with all the Patreon tiers. Uh, it always gets yeah. kind of thrown off every year by Gen Con, but that, that excuse is over now, so we are... <laughs> Uh, gonna be hitting you with Galactic Council episodes, uh, Goodian Brotherhood games, uh, streams again, uh, yep. everything, everything, everything. Space Kitty episodes, all those good things. And you can also find us on our Discord and hang out and talk to us, especially about our upcoming Soul Guide. And yes. you get a lot of Patreon benefits on Discord, but in general, uh, just come be a part of the conversation and you can directly help contribute to our new faction strategy guides yeah uh, which is which is going to be a big a big uh movement moving forward for us and please send in your thoughts like the way these strategy episodes are going to work are very different from the ones before and that your the community's feelings on soul will be incorporated into it and it will be like it's our voice and your voice having a dialogue and that's what the what the guide is so it'll be us saying this is how we play it and then you saying that's not very good and that's bad and then us saying okay well let's we're gonna add something to that but then that will just kind of sit there so i want it to feel very ultimate like this is this is this is it these are this is the list this is the thoughts to, to add to that, even, uh, you can, if you're not like a Discord person, feel free to email us, spacecatspeaceturtles yeah. at gmail.com, and just give us your write up of like your thoughts on Soul. And if there's something in it where we go, oh, I never thought about that, boom, we, we have, you've added and helped make the guide better. Yes. And of course, we will always give credit. Like, we're, like, yeah. we're not going to use something you say without, no. without actually giving you credit for it. We always do that. And we always will continue to do that. And uh, we love this community so much for how much you guys have given to us to basically use in the show has yep. been amazing. Absolutely. And that that's it. We're done with Gen Con, Hunter. This officially makes us done with Gen Con related yep. stuff. It's like been the past however many months and we made it. We made it out on the yep. other side. Hashtag Gen Content is officially over starting <laughs> now. Uh, I can't wait for Gen Con next year when uh, we're going to get one more camera that we're <laughs> yeah. going to point specifically at Schroeder's extra dimensional <laughs> pocket where he keeps trade goods. Presumably uh-huh. yeah. he's always got those. Right. I wonder if Schroeder keeps trade goods from other games that he played. <laughs> I would imagine that Schroeder would do that would be like, well, these are the trade goods that I accrued, and even though I did not win the game, I'm going to keep these as right. a token, a souvenir, uh, <laughs> so that I remember. I just imagine him with a big bag of trade goods at right. home. He takes them to his, his carrot monger, and his carrot mm-hmm. monger says, aha, yes. for four trade goods, you get four yes. pounds of carrot. Yes, he def. Well, we didn't even mention that, but he definitely bought those carrots with trade goods. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com.
Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>